protects our hearts and minds from such a wicked day of deception. Such a wicked day of deception. Glad to be back this year again. I mean that with all my heart. Glad to be able to speak on this subject again. I, I, last, I believe last year that we were here, we primarily dealt with a lot of the, the churches there in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 and looked at factors along those lines there. And This year, if I could use for what I would define as a thematical scripture, a theme, if you will, it would be found here in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Now, this would be a portion that I believe we'll just read night after night, but dealing with this portion of Scripture, using it as a, as a, as a backdrop, if you will, I'd, I'd like to take this portion of Scripture, dive into it, break it down, if you will, and then either use Old Testament stories or just simply New Testament principles to help illustrate one simple message each night, or one simple thought, if you will, about conditions before the rapture. Paul clearly delineates it for us and shows it for us as he begins to write here to Timothy in his last epistle, Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. In other words, they can't hold anything back. Whatever, whatever rushes through their mind, that's what they're going to do. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. In verse number five, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Now, Paul goes down this list, and the answer for every one of them, this just as pertinent and personal today as it was 2,000 years ago, here's what Paul says. From such, turn away. Here's the answer. Don't put your mind upon it. Don't put your heart toward it. Brother, that's just, why shouldn't I, why, why should I not focus on them? Why should I keep focusing on the truth? I'm telling you, your mind is a magnet. Yes, yes, yes. What you let your mind focus on, you focus, feeling follows. Amen. And whatever feeling follows, heart starts getting involved with as well. Amen. That's why Paul says, you turn from these. Amen. You don't, you don't pay attention as, as far as following it and idolizing and being, we have to be aware of it, but that doesn't mean we have to be consumed with it. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I'd like to break these down tonight and beginning, <clears throat> beginning tonight, I want to look at verse number five. And if it's okay, I kind of want to do these in reverse order if I could do it like this. Okay. So here's, here's the amazing thing that Paul says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The prophecy is this, one day you're going to wake up and it's going to be a world that is oddly fascinated with religion, but it'll deny the truth of God's word. And when you get to that place, you'll know you're at the end. So my companion scripture for this tonight is found in 2 Peter chapter number 2, 
verse number one, and we'll read these three verses, then we'll get into the, the meat of the message, if I could say it like that. Second Peter says it like this, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring themselves swift destruction. And many, many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now, Paul tells us what's going to happen. Peter describes how it's going to happen. Paul says, in the last days, you're going to wake up in a world. Somebody said, oh, religion is in poor state. I said, oh, no, no, no. Religion's big business nowadays. Amen. Are you kidding? There, there, there's, there's, there's gold in them, their pews for some of them preachers, huh? That's where all their minds are. And Paul begins to tell us what happens. Peter begins to tell us how it happens. And it's a fascinating thought because he says these words. He says they will use Feigned words. That word feigned there in Greek is the word plastos. It's where we get our word plastic from. One day you're going to wake up and there's a world out there full of plastic preachers. Plastic prophets. Plastic sermons. Plastic. They're not real. It's, I'm, it's every bit sleight of hand. It's, it's every bit appealing to the flesh rather than the spirit. It, and here's the crazy thing. They're going to deceive many. Yeah. It, this is not a few. This is, this is not like a friend's thing. This is, this is how it is for the majority. Yeah. It is the minority that seeks the truth. It is the majority that believes a lie. <laughs> Jeremiah. Now understand, Jeremiah is a prophet, so he foretells, but not only does he... Foretell. He also he also foretells. In other words, not, not not only does he talk about things to come, he's talking about things right where he is. And he has this amazing portion of scripture here in Jeremiah chapter five, verse thirty-one. You can turn there if you like. You don't have to if you don't want to. But he says this: the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And here is the symbol crashing, aha, breathtaking moment that he adds to it. And my people love to have it so. Right, right. He says, they prophet this, you can read it from Jeremiah 5 and 31. He says, the preachers, they, 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 the priests prophesy, uh, prophesy falsely. The, the priests bear by their own rules. In other words, not by Torah, but what by they desire. And here's the kicker everybody loves it. They love going to a church that lies to them. Are you kidding? I can't get enough, they say. 
And then, and then, Brother Metzger, it's almost as if, it's almost as if Jeremiah just looks down through the portals of time and crosses some 2,600 years because he makes this statement, and this is all found here in Jeremiah 5 and 31. He makes this statement about prophets prophesying falsely and preachers not obeying the word of God. And then he turns and asks us a question and he says, and what will ye do in the end? It's not only a foretelling, that is a foretelling. He says, there's coming a day. There'll be plastic preachers, plastic prophets, counterfeit Christians, and people will love it. What are you going to do? People will be enamored by it. What are you going to do? People will be fascinated with it. What are you going to do? That's what he says. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? Now, as we spoke yesterday, and as Brother Sanders said, in, in, in order to understand the wrong, you have to understand the right in order to identify it. Well, that's what, Pete, that's what Peter does. He begins to identify things that are wrong and right. And he shows us these negative examples so that we could be a positive example. And he brings out the fact that it's going to be a world enamored with absolute hypocrisy. Now, he's telling us this so that we don't get caught up in it. And he begins to describe the character of these counterfeits. Now, here is the amazing thing that I found as I'm, as I'm reading these scriptures. Because we look at it, Timothy says... In the last days, they're going to have a form of godliness. They're going, to depow- they're going to deny the power thereof. In other words, the overarching theme of the end time, quote unquote, church, and I mean that in the most general sense, it's going to be sacrilegious. It's going to be apostate. Now, I could end right there and say, there it is. That's what he's talking about. But I've, I've studied too long and I've driven too far. You know what I'm saying? So I've just got to, you know, I got to keep going. So if you'll stay with me, right, you know? I got too much invested in this, huh? So Peter begins to describe what he sees. Now, here's what I find, here's what I find fascinating about what Peter, Peter shows us. Peter does not speak about their message. Peter speaks about their motive. He doesn't deal with what they're saying. He doesn't deal with what they're teaching. He deals with what they are. Listen, if if you were to go on the average, God forbid, you just, whatever average YouTube preacher out there, about 85% of what he says is, oh, that's good. That's good stuff. But the problem is, listen, you teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. That's the truth. And in the end days, it's going to be marked by people that can stand behind a pulpit. <laughs> they can, they've got a Colgate smile. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I mean, they look like they need to be a you know, cover of some magazine and just as good looking as they can be and smiling everybody, letting them know we're all here to have a good time and no worries right here. <laughs> and, and, what, and some of the principles that they bring out, you go, oh, that's interesting. But the problem is it's what they're producing. It's what Brother Sanders said yesterday. It's not simply what a man is saying. It is what a man is producing. 
It's not the tomato you take home. It's second season fruit. It's what's coming out of that. It's what's produced underneath that. And that's the deception of the last day church is they can look at men and it seems good and it's 85% sounds good. But Peter says, whoa, you're not looking at the person saying it. You don't know their life. You don't know how they're living. It's not what they're, it's not what they're teaching. It's what they are. That's it. That is it. It's what they are. Amen. It's not their projects. It's their purity. Amen. Good night. If you could go, you could go to name, name your crazy charismatic fill in the blank. And I promise you, they have got some good humanitarian aid somewhere going someplace. It, it, it's, it's never a question of projects. It always comes back to purity. You with me tonight? And so he begins to describe this character of what he sees in these last days. And, and, and that, that's, what I, that's what I want to bring out in Scripture tonight to, to help maybe illustrate this and to, and, and to maybe just kind of put a, a wrapping around what does it mean when we talk about a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. It's talking about pseudo-Christianity, counterfeit Christianity. And this is what he says. We'll pick it up in verse number 9 of 2 Peter chapter 2. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanliness and despise government. Presumptuous are they. Presumptuous are they. Self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. How do I identify their character? Number one this evening, if you're taking notes, they are proudfully presumptuous. They are known by their arrogance. Now, I'm not talking about the guy you see when the lights are on him. I'm talking about how he acts inside the house. I'm talking about how he treats other people going down the road. Some of those, some of those people that have the best sellers, okay? And I'm not here to name names, and I realize this goes all over the world, but there's so many reports of them getting on an airplane and about getting in a fight with somebody over absolutely nothing, you know? And, and by the way, you know, just can I just get to wherever I'm going on that plane? If you want this seat, I'll trade you, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Good night. But they're proudly presumptuous. And that that's what that's what Paul is trying to say. Now, now understand in, in, in excuse me, Peter, and, and that in verse number nine, the, the Lord tells us these two things. Okay, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So, number one, he's saying. Don't worry, I know how to keep you. And number two, I know how to punish them. Okay, and, and that's that's one of those if you're troubled, rest with us statements because you look around and you see this and you say, oh God, what's going to happen? And the Lord says back to you and me, don't worry, I know how to protect you, I know how to guide you, I know how to lead you, and I know how to take care of them. You keep your eyes upon God, you turn away from them and have a love for truth and you're going to make it in these last days and I will judge them. Can you say amen? In fact, verse 10 says, chiefly, chiefly, chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise governments. In other words, my most severe judgment will be on these. Can I tell you, Jesus has compassion on harlots. Jesus gives a story 
where he makes a boy that wastes his father's inheritance and somehow or another by the end of the story, you're feeling sorry for the kid. He's a God of compassion. But you want to talk about his most scathing rebukes. It's the pseudo-preachers. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's the counterfeit Christians. Amen. It's those that are... Listen, it's God forbid, it's awful to tell a lie. It's even worse to teach a lie. But friend, it is unfathomable to live a lie. I'm afraid in these last days we have people that have preacher religion and they're running to the latest and the greatest and they know nothing about what's behind that pulpit. God help us. Presumptuous are they. Now where does that presumption come from? Because the Bible says this in verse number 10. I believe it clarifies it for us. They that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness. Now, understand that word flesh here, it's not simply referring to hide or hair, bone and skin, okay? He's referring here to this old Adamic nature. All right? They walk, they still walk after the old Adamic nature, after the lust of the flesh. In other words, when we see this in Scripture, when it's talking about their fleshly life, it's literally referring to their filthy life. And here's what we see from their filthy life. Because remember, okay, the root... The root is their own lust. The result, verse 10, they despise governments. Now, that's not saying something's got to change in Washington, D.C. That's not what he's referring to. What he's absolutely referring to here is anyone with a biblical authority over their lives. They despise anybody telling them how to live. They despise anybody with a God that commands a change of life. Can you say amen? amen. Somebody said, well, Brother Estes, are you telling me it's faith and works? No, no, no. I'm not saved by faith and works, but I am saved by a faith that works. And if your faith doesn't work, then you don't have saving faith, no matter what kind of faith that you have, because faith works. Amen to me, somebody. Here is a Jesus that demands a change of life, and they cannot handle that. They will not accept that. As long as Jesus... Jesus stays in that manger, they will adore Him. As long as Jesus is feeding 5,000, they will applaud Him. But the moment Jesus points His finger and says, Go and sin no more, they will crucify Him. And He says, In the last days, you're going to wake up and there's going to be a world. They ain't got no problem with Jesus in the manger. You let that preacher tell me I've got to change and it's World War III. We'll go somewhere else. We'll find an easier path. Yeah. We'll find a broader road. Yeah. We'll find an anything. In fact, we'll, we'll go. We'll slip in and we'll slip out so they'll never be noticed. Because after all, somebody at some church, someplace, sometime, somewhere <laughs> hurt us. Listen, we've all been hurt. And I'm not making light of that. And there's people listening in. They've been hurt in church and I don't make light of that. But if being hurt in church was a good enough excuse for you to walk away from holiness, friend, that's wrong because every last person here has been hurt somehow or another. And you make up your mind, I'm going to turn from our unrighteousness and turn to truth anyway. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. I'm going to walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. I'm going to love God. And you can tell, here's this person, they're after the flesh because anytime anybody starts drilling down on how they're supposed to live, you have a war and a blow up. 
It's a mark of the last days. I dare say it's among us. It's here, 2023. The root, their own lust. The result, the despised government. The revelation, they speak evil of dignities. Now, that word dignity is literally referring to someone that's went before them. Here is the irony. Some of those guys that can get on that television, whatever it may be, and can just preach up a, like a house of, a house of fire. Woohoo! And then turn around and bash sanctified living. Yes. I want to let you know something. They didn't get their preaching style from some seven-step self-help book. No. Most of them grew up in an old-fashioned Pentecostal it. church. Most of those guys, most of those people grew up cutting their teeth, singing the same songs that we sung tonight. They, they, they was on an old wooden pew. In fact, in Mississippi, they wouldn't have pew. They had benches. They didn't even have benches. They had benches. They put them growl to that thing. That's right. And that, those, are, those are the kind of things if somebody got up on one side before you got up, you'd like, ooh, hallelujah. You had a special unspoken. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. They, they grew up on those things. They cut their teeth on those things. And somehow or another, now I'm not saying God doesn't give men gifts because He does, but once God gives a man a gift, it's up to that man man to keep that gift sanctified before the Lord. But they took their gift, may it have been communication, may it have been whatever it may have been, and they used it for their own selfish gain and now they come back and their number one target is anybody that wants to live sanctified. They cannot stand authority and they make fun of anybody who lived like they used to live. You remember Saul will always despise David because David will always remind Saul of what he used to have. He'll always be, he'll always be despised. I'm not going into names, but I had a friend of mine who was actually a friend with one certain preacher. And, and just as we said, he grew up with humble roots and Man, he had more followers than you could imagine. And I'm not against large crowds in the least. I thank God for that, but I want it to be truth. And he asked me, he said, man, how, how can you do that now? How, how, how can you call that the anointing? And Brother George, I'm not exact. This, man, this is what he told me. He said, that big shot preacher looked back at him. He said, the anointing. <laughs> you want to talk about the, Let me tell you what the anointing is. When every one of your church members roll up to your church, and they all step out of their car with Corinthian leather in the interior. Now that's the anointing. Friend, gain is not godliness. That's a man that's making merchandise of somebody. They are, I feel the Lord in this house. They are proudly presumptuous. They are brazen. They are blasphemous. They make fun of. They make light of, good mercy, they make light of people's biblical convictions. They mock and laugh at it. Can I, can I listen, somebody said, well, well, so-and-so, well, they fail, so we can now make fun of them. I, I, would, I would recommend against even that. Even if a person falls by the wayside, just for the office that they held, there is a respect there that we don't bash. Do you understand that? 
Let's, in the next verse, Peter says this, Angels, greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. The angels themselves say, I know this person's wrong. I know they've fallen. That's, that's, we're not going to sit there and laugh at it and make fun of it and call everybody across America. It's one of those things we just don't bring up because we reverence the house of God. We reverence oh, even God, the positions God. of God. Show me somebody and say they are living a double life, God forbid, but they hold an inkling of a standard. And if they fall, I'm telling you, it's red meat for anybody else that used to live this way to see. Say, see, there's nothing to it, all this. The angels themselves say, I, I wouldn't even do that. I, I, I just, it's just one. There's things you may have to talk about. And believe me, can I just asterisk here? I serve on different boards and I say that humbly. There's things I have to deal with. But not everything is my business, and so I say, I'm praying for them. I don't know the whole answer, but I'm praying for them, and I leave it like that, okay? Can, let, can, I, can I even take it a step further? Sure. There may be things you don't always agree with in the local church authority, but be careful of the words that come out of your mouth just for the fact that that criticism can grow up and be a death nail Amen. to your own spiritual life. Amen. There's things that maybe Eric and I don't necessarily agree with in some certain places, but that's not table conversation for us. That's not something we're going to sit there and talk about in front of our kids. I want them to have a good outlook on our entire movement. Brother Estes, don't we have some problems? Yeah, which movement doesn't? Hello? I'm sorry, every last one of them do. Don't think, well, the nominal church doesn't have politics. Aunt, thank you for playing. They all have politics. Sorry. But I'm going to speak life and not death in front of those girls of mine by the help and grace of God. Amen. I'm trying to move on quickly here tonight. They're proudfully presumptuous. Number two, verse 12. But these as natural brute beasts, he says, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish and their own corruption. So number one, how do I recognize them? Proudfully, proudfully presumptuous. Number two, beastly behavior. Man was created in the image of God, but now he's sunk down into his own selfish sin and his own selfish sinful desires. And by God's grace, tomorrow night we'll deal with man's selfishness as a mark of the end times. But I'm telling you, man has begun to live like an animal. And if you think modern churches are exempt from that, guess again. Amen. Now, okay, two marks of an animal. Let me just say these. Two marks of an animal. Number one, what does an animal live for? Number one, self-preservation. Number two, self-gratification. That's what an animal lives for. Self-preservation, self-gratification. If it feels good, do it. Whatever I can do to get ahead, that's what I'm going to do. Can I, that is the mindset of a beast. Right. And that is the mindset in a lot of our modern even churches. It's all wrapped up in... in there. I, I don't want to borrow too much from tomorrow night. But it's all wrapped, in, wrapped up in this one thing. Self. S-E-L-F. Self. Man, we're sitting there... 
We're sitting there wondering, what's the mark of a beast going to look like? What's a 666, dun, dun, dun. I don't know precisely. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you do know. I'm, you know, I'm sure that somebody out there listening tonight, they're going to type it. I know exactly what it is. But I do know this. Six is the number of man. So maybe that 666 is just saying self, 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 man, man, man. You want to know the mark of that beast? It's somebody that's wrapped up in themselves. Yes. I'm not saying it's not a literal mark, but I'm saying the spiritual connotations is a selfish, selfish, selfish society. You want to know how you're close to being a counterfeit Christian? You want to know if it's a pseudo, pseudo Pentecost? Ask yourself this question. Am I nothing but a taker? Amen. Am I nothing but a taker? Amen. The self, self, self. Let me say these few things about their beastly behaviors. It's not what they say, it's what they are. Remember that. They are takers, they're not givers. How do we know that? Because, listen, they're beastly ignorance. These as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of things they understand not. They shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Son, you want to talk about some spiritual space cadets that are out there. I promise they're out there. They, he they, hear, they hear from a different angel every 45 minutes. If Jesus doesn't personally visit them three times a week, they feel backslid, right? And, and, and here's the amazing... People love that garb. People love it. They run to it. They think it's amazing. Listen, I'm not saying an angel of the Lord can't speak to you, but I tell you one thing, John in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, he sees an angel. He's in heaven. He falls down and the angel goes, get up quick before we're both in trouble. He's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Okay, don't think you probably wouldn't have done the same thing. I'm just saying here's this glorious, mighty angel. There's people out there, they're claiming all these things. They don't know what they're talking about. People run to it. You get a preacher up there and he says, well, sorry, three angels didn't visit me this week, but uh, I did stay in the Word. And here's what the book said. But that's just, don't you believe in... I do believe in healings. I, do, I said this yesterday. I believe in healings, but I trust in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. And here's the amazing... When, 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 when the healing takes place... Thank God it's God that gets the glory. Yeah. Not man, not, 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 not another, you know, not another organization, but God Himself. Amen. Can, can I, can I, this is here, another asterisk. Okay, we're getting off the work. We'll get back. We got to get off to get back, right? Then I, I give God the praise for this, Brother Metzger. I give God all the glory for this. It is His good hand. I, I, I'm there. I'm in South Brazil at, at this missions conference, and there's folks there from, they're from Argentina, they're from Bolivia, they're from Uruguay and Paraguay and Puerto Rico and across the pond over there in Portugal. And I mean, we're all there, and I mean, there's hundreds of folks there, and God's moving in a mighty way. And one night, uh, the, 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 the main man that's there, Brother Schmidt, he's got a German name, but he's Brazilian. He said, we will pray, and God's going to heal somebody. I feel the Lord in this. Amen. And well, there's this, Brother George, there's this one man there. He's from Argentina. The man is skinny as a rail. He looks sickly skinny. And I come and I lay my hands on him. I don't know how to pray for this man, but I, I'm sure, Brother Peter, I'm sure I had to say, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I just stopped for a moment. And I, I felt the Lord just begin to pray through me. And, and, just the, and just the intercessory prayer of the Spirit of God begin to pray through me. Well, the, good night. There's 800 plus folks out there. So, you, you know, you go and pray for the next and pray for the next. You don't think a thing of it. Well, the next night he comes back, man, he is shouting happy. 
And he wants to testify, so they let him testify. And he said, for two years, I haven't been able to eat anything without severe pain in my stomach. He said, I was at the place where I dreaded drinking water because I knew the hurt I would have to go through for two years. And then he said, I give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. He said, Brother Zane, he said, he laid his hand on me and I heard him say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And he said, all day long, I ate and he said, I ate and I ate and I ate and I ate. And the more he ate, the more they said amen and he ate and amen. But as soon as he said that, I thought to myself, well, I didn't say that because I don't speak Portuguese. And as soon as I thought that, I'm to a loving rebuke come into my heart. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Son, I remind you, the miracle of Pentecost was not just that they spoke in other tongues, but that every man heard in his own... That man heard my will for his life. Oh, give him praise, church. That man heard my will for his life. I believe the Lord can heal. I said, I know God can heal. But I'm telling you, beloved, I'm going to stay with the book. I'm going to stay with what's right. I'm going to stay with the old path. I'm not going to be persuaded by a world that's looking for a new card. I'm just going to stay with what God's Word has to say. Can someone say amen? Hallelujah to God. Their ignorance... Their immorality. Verse 13. And they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots are they and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls. Good mercy, that's where we are. A heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Then he says, cursed children. The Bible said they riot in the daytime. Now, years ago, the world wrote songs about, you know, sun going down and going to party and sun going down. It's going to get... Not anymore. It's daylight debauchery. Amen. <laughs> Nowadays, it's blatant and in your face. Amen. Nowadays, it's anything goes. They're beast because of their ignorance. They don't know any. Amen. They're beast because of their immorality. They cannot wait. There are spots that word blemish literally means scabs. And that word spot literally means dirt. They're dirts they are and scabs. That's how it reads. And yeah. I didn't say it. Peter did. Okay. Yeah. He called. He calls them scabs. We'd get run out of town if we said that nowadays, huh? At least get a thumbs down and a negative comment. Uh, hello. <laughs> Having eyes full of adultery. Of there again, in Greek, it would read like this eyes full of an adulteress. In other words, it stays on their mind. Every person they see, they begin to twist in their mind evil ways and evil thoughts. There's a lot to be said about an old-fashioned preacher yes. that just wants to live right and holy and yes. true. Yes. Their ignorance, their immorality, their influence. They beguile unstable souls. That word beguile is actually a fisherman's term. It's, it's the word that they would use for, for baiting a hook. They come down and they beguile those souls. They... They set up some, you know, river of love, church, whatever it is. 
And it's, oh. Oh, did they, did they say you couldn't preach down there? Did, oh, did they, did they, did they, did they make you feel bad? Well, down here, down here, we don't preach anything but L-O-V-E, whatever it is. I don't know sign language. That's all we do here, God. Love. And they beguiled them. So I'm trying to close tonight. I'm just trying to wrap around what, what Paul said would happen and how Peter described it to us. Because he said in the last days, they're going to have this form of godliness. <sighs> And you're going to wake up in a world and I'm telling you, they're going to be enamored by it. They're going to love it. You turn from it. You stay away from it. You stay holy. You stay true. Because they're going to be known by their presumptuous pride. They're going to be known by their beastly behavior. They will be known by their godless greed. Verse 14, and I'm trying to close. It says later in that verse, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices. You see that word exercised there? It's where we, it's where we get our word gymnasium from. Now there again, I understand we can't all look like Brother Sanders. I mean, who else gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning and runs 5 miles, right? Every day he's hitting the gym, right? Come on here. Now I hate it, but uh, there again, I told him last year... I. I looked in the mirror and I was like, hey, wow, there's my dad. How did that happen? Yes, exactly. And the only hope I got now is the glorified body. You know, it's kind of it's a slow word. You know, it's kind of an odd slide right now. But one day, thank God, you know, it's down there. <laughs> well, any, seriously, anybody, that's, anybody that's, that's really into that fitness stuff, you know as good as I do. It's not a one-time thing, right? right. I mean, they, they don't hit the gym once a year and be like, yeah, well, you know. No. Every day they're exercising. It's a repetitive motion. And they'll tell you, I got to get better at it. Gotta... You, know, here, you know what Peter describes them? Every day they're exercising how to get another dollar out of a man's pocket. They practice and practice and practice how to get more and more and more. I don't know for sure, but I dare say there's probably courses some of these guys could take about how to how to get more, how to be. <laughs> sure there is. Sure there is. Sister Estes, can you help me tonight? They know how to separate people from their money. And what first sounds so good leads to godless greed. They accept a doctrine that says gold is godly and the more you have of it, the more you have of Him. I, I, years ago, I literally heard a preacher talk about, he said, these are the only time you ever see Israel ever taking off any of their adornments is when they were in trouble with God. I thought, you fool, they were repenting before Amen. God. They were asking God to forgive them and they sanctified themselves from such things. We're living in a world, there's godless greed. They are brute beasts. And they are presumptuously proud. And my people, Jeremiah said, love it like that. Here's the prophecy. One day you're going to wake up in a world, they're going to be in love with a lie and deny the truth 
It'll be a form of godliness that denies the power. And when you see that, you will know you're in the last of the last days. Turn from it. Run from it. Stay with truth. Love truth that you might make it to heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand with me all over this house tonight, church. No wonder Peter says in his second epistle in the first chapter, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Because we live in such a day of deceit. They'll have a form of it. And I'm telling you, it'll be as sweet to the mouth as you could imagine. It would be as bitter to your belly more than you could imagine. And once people get wrapped up in it, it sure is hard to get them out of it. There'll always be some story about, wow, look at, look, look, at, look at this amazing thing. There again, I believe in miracles, but I trust in Jesus. Don't, don't come to me about just some miracle. If it goes against this book, I'm going to smile. I'm going to say the sovereign grace of God can do whatever He wants to, but I'm still going to stay with this book. And it's not a million miles down the road. It's before us. It's before us. My question to you tonight, my question for those listening in, has it rubbed off on you? Has it slowly rubbed? Has some of those heroes started becoming your heroes? Brother Sanders, I always got nervous whenever a freshman, if I was ever teaching at a Bible school and a freshman would come up to me and he started telling me about some of his heroes that were just as curious. Because I remember the words of Socrates. He wasn't a saved man, but he was an interesting philosopher. He said, show me your heroes that I might know who you will become. I don't want them to be my heroes. I'd rather men that have blazed the trail, that have lived the life, that have been a life of integrity and purity. I'd rather those be the men that I hold up. Maybe their approach wasn't as refined. Maybe their accent wasn't as clear. But their heart was pure. Father, I ask You tonight to search our hearts, God. In the last days, God, churches will become absolutely apostate and sacrilegious. But here was Your warning and here was Your Word. Turn from it. Tonight, God, may our eyes stay upon the Lord and may we search our hearts that we would have no secret love toward the things of this world, but a heart that is pure and looking unto You. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I'm going to open up these altars, church.